Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Locatora Radio, hosted by Mala Munoz and Diosa Fem. Hello, Locas, and welcome back to Locatora Radio. Locatora Radio is hosted by your Locatoras. I'm Mala Munoz. And I'm Diosa Fem. And as you all know, during Brown Girl Hour, we make space for the exploration and celebration of the experiences, brilliance, creativity, and legacies of femmes and women of color. Thank you so much for tuning in to another capítulo of Brown Girl Hour. In this capítulo, we're going to be talking about femtech and what that means. Um, we want to explore the ways women and femmes of color have created technology in accessible ways. We all know that a lot of restrictions have been placed on our learning and education historically. And in so many ways, our brilliance is resurrected and manifested in these like techno historical ways yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> absolutely and this the idea for femtech uh for this capitulo is something that we've been talking about for a while yes we've been it's letting it brew we've been sitting on it we've been doing our research to really cultivate this idea and <clears throat> our femtech um content is not only going to be limited to this capitulo correct and it's also really hard because I think Mala and I are both really impatient people. Yes. Like, once we have an idea, <laughs> we really want to put it out there. But we have been, like Mala said, kind of, like, letting this idea of, like, what femtech is, let it 
letting it culminate in our brains and mm-hmm. like we've been now we've been seeing it everywhere and we've been seeing like inspiration everywhere yeah so I'm really excited to really unveil like all these different ideas in this capitulo and share with y'all um I think like first and foremost like we can talk about really like not maybe not very subtle femtech um, or like maybe our first intro to some type of like STEM. Yeah. As women, as young girls. Yeah. Has been like through cooking. Right. And through sewing. Um, Mala, for you, like, did you? Well, first of all, do you like to cook? I I do like to cook. <clears throat> I enjoy cooking, and my grandmother is. And my grandfather, both of them, they are the cooks in the family. Mm. And as we all know, cooking is very much a science. Yes, that must be really, that must be a really interesting fusion because as I remember, your grandpa is Puerto Rican. Yeah, he's from Puerto Rico. And so, and my grandmother is from Jalisco, Mexico. So the cooking that they do is very different. Yum, that must be delicious. It is delicious. Mm. There's always something good to eat. All the time. I'm always trying to eat platanos. We have those in Peru also and yum. So do you like do you have a dish that you like to cook or that you remember learning as a young girl? Well, something that um my grandmother taught me how to make um is tamales because mm-hmm. she makes them quite often. Yes. And there's a definitely a science behind making tamales. <laughs> yes. Whatever absolutely. type of tamale you're making. Yeah. So I think that was one intro. And another intro to kind of like fashion, but even like I would say like it's I feel like there's a lot of engineering that goes into fashion and the construction of clothes. Absolutely. There's a pattern. Oh, yeah. It's, like, so scientific. Very scientific. undeniable. And my grandmother, and, well, because we're definitely descended from, like, my grandmother and my great-grandmother worked in sweatshops in L.A. Oh, wow. And they sewed in factories. So sewing and pattern making and all of that stuff has always been a big deal in my family. And so my grandmother, like... She made her own wedding dress. She would make all of my mom and her siblings their clothes. And my mother is a professional flamenco dancer, but she makes her own costumes, Mm. you know? So I've always been around the sewing machine Mm -hmm. and sewing. And um, my dad's mom, whenever she had a new grandchild coming, she would... um, quilt she would make a new quilt right for the new babies so on either side of the family you saw those very like traditional femme methods of creating cooking sewing pattern making and it's something that I saw a lot growing up yeah interesting um I feel like I I don't really have that kind of like memory first of all because my mom hates to sew okay she also (laughs) hates to cook like she won't admit it (laughs) But she, but she hates does. to cook. She, like, it's mucha lata for her. And that's cool. Like, yeah. she doesn't like it. I'm like, you don't have to. And sewing also. So I feel like I didn't really have that exposure for my mom. But for, for all the other women in my life growing up, like, everybody had, like, their own little, like, niche of, like, yeah. what they were really good at. Like, one thing I was really good at cooking. The other one was really good at sewing. And mm-hmm. she would, like, make dresses. And I know for my mom, her tia in Mexico would make her dresses all the time, like mm-hmm. a new dress every week, you know, right. like that was like her, her little baby. Um, and on my dad's side, same thing. Like everybody was good at something. Yeah. I think my abuela designed hats. Oh, cool. At one point, like in Peru, she was like designing hats. Like millinery. Yes. <laughs> I yes. love it. And then my tia, like she, when she moved here from Peru, when they immigrated, she was also working in a factory here in downtown LA and she kind of did like the whole fake it till you make it thing like I think that the her her boss was like this Armenian man and he like saw or she was like always like trying to do more Mm -hmm. so he saw something in her so Mm -hmm. he started like saying like can you do this and she'd be like yeah but she had no idea yeah but she would literally create it and she would learn and she would force herself to like learn these like different patterns and she became really successful and like had like that's awesome a business in like mexico and peru and like yeah. was just like an entrepreneur right you know so i think like we have models in our families that maybe we don't like necessarily see them as like these like stem tech, tech like brilliant creators but they really are they are yeah um but, I know, and, and what yeah. what they're what they're expressing, and the sewing or the weaving, um, mm-hmm. printmaking, pattern making, dyeing cloth, all that stuff is what has been historically for centuries practiced, yes. like as a means of surviving and creating. But also, it, a lot of 
our ancestors, our femme ancestors have very much been limited, mm-hmm. right, to to only utilizing certain forms of knowledge and production that are accessible to them. Exactly. If you're not allowed to go to school, mm-hmm. what are you, where are you channeling your genius? Exactly. Right. I know, you, hearing you say that, like, thinking of, like, our femme ancestry, like, I'm thinking about, like, mujeres andinas in Peru and, like, how, like, dyes created, like, for, uh-huh. like, llama and, like, alpaca, like, right. you know, like, the wool. Like, how it's, like, dyed and how it's, like, an actual science. And oh, I, yeah. when I was in, like, El Valle Salgrado, we, um, like, someone did a demonstration about, like, I was at a a, co- uh, a cooperative, like, type of thing. And um, it was, like, run by a fam, like, like, a few different families. And they were, like, showing us how they, like, take natural colors and, like, dye it, you know? Yeah. So hearing you say that reminded me of that trip. Um, Absolutely. I know that you actually have, in, like... A really brilliant example about sewing and weaving. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. Yes, absolutely. So um, what we wanted to do with this capitulo, right, is talk about how <clears throat> women, women of color, indigenous women, indigenous femmes have been participating in technology and innovation for centuries, right? Like we've been creating and our ancestors have been creating for centuries, but quite often what the production and the and the inventions made by indigenous women by black women by brown women by femmes are often undervalued and yes. considered either frivolous not that intricate mm-hmm. not that innovative they're they're completely undervalued because of who creates these products yes and because they're not their utility is not recognized. Correct. Right? Yes. So we saw a contemporary example mm-hmm. of very ancient femme knowledge mm-hmm. now being utilized like in biotech. Yes. Tell us. Yes. So <laughs> we, I, um, I, I bet a bunch of people have seen this, but there was an article that made its rounds in different um, publications and Remescla did one. And <laughs> Remescla did an article about... <coughs> Aymara women from Bolivia, Mm -hmm. um, indigenous women who were using their very um, traditional weaving techniques and weaving patterns to create heart implants for children with heart defects. So I guess there was some biotech company that decided to take on these Aymara women as employees. Mm. And they're really there like in laboratories weaving the actual physical little tiny heart implants by hand, mm. right? Because based on the research that I've seen and based on the journalism around these women, the type of sewing, the type of intricate work that goes into a heart implant is even more intricate than machines can accomplish, wow. right? So they needed something so technical that machines could not you know, perform it. So they needed to go and reach into a very, like, old, like, pool of knowledge. So you have these indigenous women literally saving lives and doing so in a biotech atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Which I think is is awesome. Mm. Yeah, and I I like how you mentioned or you touched on the fact that a lot of these these knowledges are undervalued. Yes. Right? And because of who's creating them and who's producing them, it's, like, not seen as important. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, scientific. It's not genius. It's not genius. Right. Yes. And if, if we, if anything, with our femtech theme and content, we what we want to establish is that women of color are geniuses. We are. And yes. have been geniuses for many centuries. And I think also, like, we bring our community with us, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't see that from white men, and I don't see that from, like, white women. Like, I see, like, them, like... What is that word? Like, nepotism? Like, I see that kind of, like, unfair shit where it's, like, they... The only reason they get ahead is because they know people, not because they're actual geniuses. Right. right? Or they have the funds to back up their ideas. exactly. But, like, us, like, no, we will bring our people with us. Uh Uh-huh. And I I feel like it's, like, almost commonplace now. Like, every other day you hear some, like, some story, some, you know, human interest piece about, oh, such and such third world child learned how to create a helicopter out of cardboard or yeah. you know like such and such individual in in an oppressed situation created like a, a you know like some crazy invention where they could give clean water to their whole village right. you know what I mean so you see these examples 
a lot of young people, young people of color, marginalized people, black and brown people, indigenous people who use like the little resources that they have to do what you're talking about. Exactly. Uplift the community, use Mm. tech. Right, in a third world context to uplift their community. This is a really good transition into what I'm bringing today, which is um, this Mujer Remezcla also did an article on her and her organization. Her name is Mariana Costacheca, and she's peruana. Um, She started an organization called Laboratoria, and it began two and a half years ago in 2014, and um, what they're trying to do is give access to young women and teaching them how to code. Right. And what I really like about it is that it's a six-month training as opposed to, like, two, three years. Right. Because that is so much more accessible because I'm positive that these women, while they're training or they're in the six-month course, are also working. Oh, yeah. Uh, Raising obviously. kids. Obviously, yes. So... Years is does not know that does not yeah. work like especially if you have a family to support especially if you're like the the one of the younger ones in the family so you're expected to work and give money back home and right. all that stuff so these women are being taught to code and they're you know doing the damn thing because they're after they graduate like 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 they have an eighty percent like higher rate yeah you know and I want to say that it's expanded to Mexico and Chile. And it's just really dope because she, like, had a vision and she was, like, saw that the women in her community just weren't given access to things, mm-hmm. access to certain resources, not because they they couldn't, you know? So she, like, took it upon herself to right. teach young women to code and she has, like, investors now. She's just, like, really expanding on what she's doing and I think that's really wonderful. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And, I mean, it's so true. It's, like, the fact that women of color are underrepresented Mm -hmm. in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, we believe, I believe, is completely antithetical to our history. Exactly. Look at, like, there's so many examples. Like, look at our femme women ancestors. Look at our femme women ancestors. I mean, when we talk about, for example, like, if you want to talk about, like, Machu Picchu or, Mm -hmm. like, Aztec pyramids, right? Or Mayan pyramids. And you want to talk about advanced societies and astronomy and all the things that our people were practicing for centuries. Mm -hmm. I imagine that our ancestors were living in a different sort of historical context than we live in now. And that women were able to participate in different levels of society in ways that have been difficult for us to achieve today. Yes. So... Like, for example, I've seen a lot of conversations on Twitter about how different minority groups will talk about, you know, it's difficult to s- celebrate, oh, the first, you know, African-American mm, PhD in chemistry or the first, you know, Mexican astronaut or the first such and such, you know, because there's this assumption that our history has only been like a few hundred years long. Right. And so it's like, well, no, I'm sure that there were a ton of black astronomers and, you know, physicists before colonization and slavery. Exactly. And there were probably a ton of indigenous (coughs) engineers, you know, and scientists and librarians and all of these things before colonization. We've been doing these things for a long time, for centuries, but... Post-colonization, it's like they're starting from Literally starting from zero. Yeah. That reminds me of that meme of it's like me linking everything back to like racism and colonization right and like that's literally like i think about that all the time it's and real. I'm like literally that is the root of so many things that have gone wrong yeah so because of that you know like us who come from a long line of geniuses right and i use that word intentionally and mm-hmm. i'm not exaggerating when i say genius women of color yeah. historically are geniuses we are you know and i don't I'm not going to use a different word. That's the word. (laughs) That's what we are. So the fact that, like, we are, like, femmes are more known for, you know, beauty or cosmetology or nail tech or, you know, hair versus engineering. Right. It's because that's where we were allowed to channel our genius. Right. That reminds, or that's a really good um, transition into our next topic. We mm-hmm. have so much to say about that, but before that, I think we should go into a song break. Orcasteras Peligrosas.
we hope you enjoyed our song break. That was Queen by Janelle Monet. Um, moving forward, we want to talk about the very accessible ways and how Femtech has manifested in both of our lives. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk about like beauty and hair and nails and all that kind of beautiful femme adornment. Yeah. Um, I think like like fem like there's so much femme phobia in and like that's why like our femme tech is undervalued. Right. You know because it's like not it's seen as extra, it's frivolous, it's not necessary, yeah. it's in the way. In the way. Like the shit that people give me that I do not ask for their opinion. They yeah. give me shit because of my nails and their yeah. length and I'm like I didn't ask you. And, like, I have been rocking acrylic nails for years now, mm -hmm. you know. And, I, of course, I give my nails a break here and there. But, um, obviously, if they're at this length, like, I can get shit done. Yeah. I can write a dissertation if I wanted to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got through my, my undergrad through them. Yeah. I'm in my job, my big girl job now with them. <laughs> I send my monthly reports to my director You get You get your shit them. done. Yes, you know. Like, they are not in the way. But it's like, if you want to be, quote, professional... You can't have this kind of like long adornment, right? right? You can't have your bold lipstick in a in a meeting room with the executive director of some or a funder of your nonprofit. But yeah. watch me. I will, you right. know? So I think like we just have so much to say about like femtech and like femme economics and like femme, femme economics. economy, you know, and entrepreneurship and like especially being from the hood or like living in the hood, your family's from the hood. However, like that may look for you. Mm -hmm. um, we can see, like, the way informal economy has manifested. Yeah. And there's a market for, like, femme adornment. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's so interesting because nothing that women do, that femmes do, is without some type of a history or some type of a, a trigger, a reason, a context, an origin, you know, so like even just you talking about nails, right? So why are we talking about beauty? Well, because historically beauty is one of the only accessible avenues for production, expression, for careers yes. that women have had. Yes. So we jumped into it and yes. have flourished. Yeah, and there's a science behind it. Like yes. don't tell me there's not a science between behind like getting like the right length of your acrylic, the shape, the actual there's shape chemistry. of your Yes. You have to know what you're doing. They're using tiny machines yes. and drills and a lot of electronics that 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 go into it depending on what kind of salon you're going yes. to and like also if you think about like nail art like where that hello. originated from hello like no not by kim kardashian no. and kylie jenner no they yeah. did not originate that shit no right. way but um like even that like the folks that can that can create that type of art on a tiny little surface you know they're yeah. brilliant it's actual brilliant. brilliant and it's wearable it has to be somewhat durable yeah. it has to be somewhat tough like there's so <laughs> many different elements that go into a set of acrylic nails yeah somebody told us actually shout out lala shout out lala Dunia. she told us <laughs> about this like bougie nail salon that I'm sure many of you follow on Instagram, but I will not name them. <laughs> and she said she got her nails done there, you know, paid the like expensive tag, basically the price for them. Right. And within a couple days, they like all broke off, you know, and our right. $20 sets, like how durable are they? You know, very extremely, durable. extremely Yes. And actually, speaking of nail art, we wanted to bring in some history we around do. that, right? Yes, really important to be intentional. So we were doing some research about nail art, and we knew that, you know, there's a lot of different types of people that uh, that do nail art, mm -hmm. that participate in nail tech. Nowadays, there's even kind of like nail art, like reality shows. There's like conventions. There's conventions. It's a big industry. It it's is. huge. It's like $8 billion, I think we read. Yeah. But some, it's an $8 billion industry. I read this article on this website called takepart.com and um, this writer named Celeste Wong did a um, story about the fascinating story behind why so many nail technicians are Vietnamese, mm, right? Yes. So we know a lot of nail technicians, a lot of people that work in nails are Vietnamese, are, South, are Asian somehow. API. Yeah, yeah API. And uh, so Celeste Wong did a story about how this actress, Tippi Hedren, was involved in working with communities of Vietnamese refugees in California and basically bringing skill and job training 
um, to the different, like, camps mm, where they were staying fuck. while they were transitioning, okay. right, from Vietnam to American life. And okay. so they were in refugee camps. And something that the women took to was nail tech Damn. and working in nails. And according to this article that we were reading, um, today <coughs> the nail industry is worth about $8 billion <coughs> and about 80% of nail technicians in Southern California are Vietnamese and 51% across the U.S. Wow. So here you have this history where the beauty, the technology, the economy had this had so much to do with women of color in a state of of being refugees. Yes. You know, and needing to survive. Exactly. Like, in a state of, of emergency. Yeah. Right? That type of brilliance. Like, it, that creativity had to come yeah. out. Like, the necessidad. Exactly. Which is a lot of where our economy comes from. Oh, like, yeah. there's a need. Like, you're surviving for your family, for yourself. Absolutely. And, I, and think of all, like, in my neighborhood, for example. There's a lot of little... Salones de belleza, yeah. little beauty salons where it's all Latinas, Latinx women, yeah. you know, who either they run the space or they rent out booths to other Latinas mm-hmm. or Latinx people to work. And it's all having to do with they're creating, they're providing a service, but they're also feeding their families and their communities, right? right. And it's all through beauty. And not only that, but it's like, think about the community that's created in these like nail salons, beauty salons, like... It's cheese my hour in so many ways. Yeah. Like, and it's also like your venting session. Like, you tell them like about what's going on in your family, and right. like maybe they hook you up with somebody that they know because they know somebody that they know somebody. Absolutely. You know, and it's like also another form of survival because yeah. more more than likely, like you live in the area where you get your hair done, where yeah. you get your nails done. You know, I know that's true for me. Um, and there's also like the informal salons that exist, like in the yeah. garages, in people's houses, renting a room maybe mm-hmm. to like cut someone's hair. Um, right. The gym that I go to, she, like, is creating, because she's also a hairdresser and, like, this nutritionist, and she's, like, now she, they just moved locations, and she has, like, a big room where she's going to start to do hair. Like, oh, wow. she's, like, creating, like, something totally different and totally brand new. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, not brand new, but, like, in the sense that it's a gym and a hair salon. Right. I think that's pretty cool. That's you different. You know, that is some self-care, self-love that's right different. there, you that, know? That really is. Yeah. Yeah, and I even wonder, you know, like... <clears throat> How many, because we, we can talk even about like feminists on a global scale yes. and like global economies. So there are so many layers to it because like feminists is at once like constantly, constantly like consumed and objectified yes. and like used for purposes that are not like healthy for us. Correct. Right? Like our images and our bodies and, and, and all of that are used for a lot of times to oppress us Mm -hmm. but when I think we take our feminists into our own hands and we're projecting it and utilizing it for our own purposes that's a totally different scenario exactly that's when like when people want to say like oh fem is so capitalist it's so this it's so that because like you're spending 20 50 dollars to get something done you know you're buying you're shopping at Sephora like what are you doing for the revolution like Hold on. Yeah, wait a <laughs> you second. You know what I mean? <laughs> wait a damn minute. Wait a second. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, an, like, a really, really, like, important part that you're touching on in terms of, like, femme identity. And, like, once we're taking our identity into our own hands and, like, using one, however that, like, femme adoration, uh, like, adornment looks for you and that type of, like, femme worship for yourself, like, it doesn't have to be makeup. It doesn't no. have to be, like, this kind of... That, like, everyone's adornment looks differently, right? And, like, for us, like, this is what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I'm even thinking, like, how... If we're talking about what are you doing for the revolution, how many señoras Mm -hmm. who work in, like, a femme industry, who cut hair, who do nails, who do makeup, I wonder how many hundreds of thousands of dollars in remittances, right, are sent abroad, are sent back home, and are feeding families off of money that was made doing nails and hair. You know? I, like, I wish we had a number. I wish we had a number. thousands and thousands of dollars. Yes, money off of babysitting. Yes. You know? Money off of cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, the types of technologies, the types of fields that we're always relegated to mm-hmm. and limited to, but we're contributing. And also owning it and then making it like 
you're 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 making it your own business. You're becoming yeah. an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur. So that's you're like taking it into your own hands, and you're yeah. like, this is what I'm good at, and I'm, this is what I'm a genius at. Yes. So I'm gonna make a business off of this. Uh, exactly. And one of the best examples of that is yes. Who? Tell us is Madam C J Walker. Yes. Tell and us about her, girl. Madam C J Walker, also known as mm-hmm. Sarah Breedlove. Um, Madam C J Walker was her public name, her okay. business name. I right? love it. A madam. Yes, a madam. I love it, Madam. Exactly. (laughs) So she was an African-American entrepreneur. She was a philanthropist. She was an activist. And she is known as the first female self-made millionaire in America. That is fucking dope. Yeah. And she did it. She created her empire and her millions off of beauty products for Mm. black women. Right. Love. She saw a need. She saw that there were not enough products specifically targeted towards black women for their skincare, hair care, nail care needs. And she created products that were healthier than what was out there, that were safer than what was out there. Yeah. Definitely, there had to be chemistry involved. There had to be science involved. And the marketing and the entrepreneurship, you know? And so, Madam C.J. Walker is just one of those, another genius, you know, Mm. that I don't think gets celebrated enough because she was Mm. working in beauty, in beauty for black women, right? right? Especially, so especially it's maybe not something that everybody hears about or knows about. Or or sees that, yeah. Sees it as, like, some type of tech Mm -hmm. or, like, STEM. But literally, like, folks that create their own makeup, like, genius, like, women of color that do that because there are a lot of, like, women of color and, like, black owns yeah. uh, makeup brands right. and, like, actual genius because there is a science behind there it. Is. It's not just some, like, let me put this in a really pretty package and sell it for $30 or right. however much, you know? It's, like, there's actually a science behind it to get the right shade and especially if you're working with our community, yeah. you know, like, that my red isn't going to look good on everybody else, right. you know, but... Like working with all these different skin shades Absolutely. and like taking into taking into account that you want to be inclusive. You're right. serving like a very broad community. Like that's that's a science. Mm-hmm. Like to find a red that somehow looks good on everyone, like how? Yeah, absolutely. Literal, literal science. And I mean, we can we can talk about femtech and talk about social media. Yes. Right. I mean, we engage in tech every day. Yes. All the time, multiple types of tech on multiple platforms, mm. multiple devices. I mean, this podcast is is femtech. This is femtech because we have struggled and we have. We have really, really had to learn how to use a lot of things yeah. just to create this podcast, you know, because not because we like don't want to like know about these things, but it's like they weren't taught to us or either we thought maybe it wasn't as important or we're yeah. like, we'd get frustrated because yeah. no one was patient with us yeah. to teach us how to fucking code. Right, you know what I mean? Right, right. Like even creating our own website has been difficult and you and I have been like in the process of doing that for a few months yeah. now. We're working on we're it. Working on it. <laughs> you know, everything is for us has been like, we're literally learning as we go. As we go. And like, I think not only this like segment or just as as a whole, like the podcast is femtech, but even like what you and I do on social media. Oh yeah, Absolutely. It's all femtech. I mean, engaging with your computer, engaging with your phone, engaging with the microphone, with the equipment, you know, with yes. the recording um, software that we use. All of that is femtech because we're using it for fem purposes. Exactly. Like, we're doing it so that it's femtech. And, and, like, that's my thing is... I don't care if white people or men Mm. find what I'm doing to be valuable or important. You're not the barometer. It's not for you. It's not for you. You don't decide what is useful and what is not. Mm -hmm. You don't decide what is brilliant and what is not. A, because you have trash taste and I don't trust (laughs) it, number one. You know? (laughs) So there's that. And number two, we know that what we're creating is brilliant and is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so we're going to put ourselves in the fem- in the in the tech category. Right. And that's new. Like, I feel like that's a new kind of thing that we've been talking about that maybe we didn't expect right. this podcast to turn to go in that route. But like the more like we had said in the beginning, like the more that we've been thinking about like what femtech is, like the more it relates to so many things in our lives. Yeah. And I'm sure like. As we continue to think about this topic, as we continue to move through life, we hear about family histories. We're going to see more examples of of femtech, like in everyday life and and in our upbringings and our family histories. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I'm interested to hear like, or to see more. And I feel, I've been thinking about this a lot because I feel like I had, don't really have any type of knowledge about like my Mexican side, mm -hmm. which is something so new for me because I've, I grew up really close to my mom. Yeah. So my, my mom's family. So my Mexican side, but the more that I think about it, like my grandparents are both dead now, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't have any type of like family history, any type of ancestry because my grandparents died right. when he was a baby. Oh. So, the, and the more that I, the, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And I'm like, I feel like I don't have any history in that way. And that's kind of stressing me out. Yeah. But with my dad's side, there's so much history because we're all here. And we're all fucking really close. And mm -hmm. it's annoying sometimes. But, you know, <laughs> I know that there is so much, like, STEM and tech in that side and my dad's side. And I'm really interested to, like, yes. think about this more and develop this idea oh my God. more. I mean, the other day, right, I'm, like, in my grandma's house mm -hmm. and she I walk in and my grandma who's like 83 years old she's mm -hmm. a little old lady she's from Mexico and when she came to the U.S. she was 16 and the first thing she did when she came here was work in people's houses you, you know yes. and she raised kids for white people and clean houses and she went to night school and eventually she got her AA nice. her associate's degree and she worked in accounting. <coughs> oh my so god. So she was an accountant. Grandma Nacha. Grandma Nacha was an accountant for many years. And then she would sell like, you know, like <clears throat> princess house, like crystal Oh and my stuff. god, yes. So she was hustling. She was doing a lot of different... She would sell Tupperware, all kinds of stuff. But she has a very mathematical mind. The mm. other day, I'm walking into the house and I see her at the table and she has all these papers spread out on the table. And I look and she is just adding up all these numbers and doing all these calculations. And she's like doing all this math, like big numbers. And I'm like, Grandma, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I don't have an adding machine, so I do it all in my oh head. Oh my God, stop. Yeah, she does. So like... All of her bills, her taxes, everything. It's all with a pencil, right. just by hand. That's and how doing, it's been done. That's how it's been done. Yeah. And so you have this woman who's just this tiny Mexican lady. She's great. Who's awesome and who has done so much in her life. And she is so good with numbers mm. and just in her head. And a lot of us, I feel like we were raised on calculators. Oh my God, yeah. We haven't, we don't have that anymore. Yeah. For me, like also like math has been such a, so traumatic for me. Oh my God. For don't many of us. get me started. Right? Oh my God. Low key, I think the reason I picked my college major is because I didn't have to take math. Literally. Yeah. Which also stifled me in so many ways. Yeah. Because I was like, I wanted to like avoid a trauma. So then I went for something else that mm -hmm. actually was really fucking traumatic. Anyway, my, co my college experience was fucking <laughs> awful with the department I was in. But that's another story. But um, yeah. So for me, like, it's like so many of us, like young girls, especially of color. It's like we're we're taught that we're not good at math. Like girls are naturally not yeah. good at science. That's what we're told. Like yeah. girls are bad at science. At we're it. better at the humanities. We're better at reading and writing. Yeah. So that's what that's the career that you should stick yeah. to. And a lot of times it's not just like necessarily the messages that are given to us, but like how are our, our math and science programs at our schools? Awful. You know, like we were talking about this the other day when we were first coming up with this idea. Mm -hmm. When I was in eighth grade, we had four math teachers mm -hmm. because they just kept getting cycled out and oh, they wow. would quit and they would leave towards the end of my eighth grade year our PE coach was the math oh, teacher shit. but Wait. that's because they just needed someone to watch us oh my god that happened to me one time in high school really yes the soccer coach became like the sub math teacher at yeah one point. she was teaching us you know and it's just like I know that that has an effect of course that has a negative effect I was most traumatized by math in high school I was taking calculus and the teacher was this mm. white guy. Mm. I shall not speak his name, <laughs> but he's horrible. And I just have so many memories of just sobbing like in his office, like all the time. That was me. It was so bad. My third year of high school, I had a nun, this white oh, no. little nun. Oh no. <laughs> as a math teacher. And she literally failed so many people. Like it became a thing where people were like petitioning to like remove her from the department or from what as like being a math teacher. Yeah. And she was so mean. Oh my like God. I would cry all oh, the no. time. And I'm positive she knew that I was like a little queer girl mm. i'm sure of it so you think that that i think that it was added. an added layer okay. for sure i mean i 
My high school had 400 people. It was small. It was fucking tiny. Yeah. Everybody knew. Like, there weren't very many of us that were queer and young, you know. Right, In high right. school. So, I'm sure she knew. And, yeah, math was traumatic. I would cry all the time. Like, so I bad. would, like, yeah, I would hyperventilate. Like, I would get anxiety going into her classroom. That's horrible. I knew I would fail her class. Like, Every time I took a test, like, I was like, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm going to fail. Yeah. Like, that was my mentality, you right, know, for right. math. So it was really shitty. Um, yeah, so I, like, hope that one day, with, like, all these brilliant women that are doing, like, the coding. And, yeah. Like, and they're doing it for young girls. Like, I hope that one day young girls, like, feel, like, so empowered by STEM and also art. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> I just thought of something. But, you know, I feel like... You know how we hear how back in the day, like, historically, like, to prevent pregnancy, like, women mm-hmm. would just put, like, a little stone. Yes. You know? Like, I feel like that that is, like, reproductive tech, like, oh back God. in the day. Like, yes. that's just, like, ancient. Which is also being used, well, I can't say it's used for, like, birth control, but, like, also you see, like, this, this, um, interest in, like, yoni eggs. Yeah. Right? And just, like, healing crystals in general, I feel like they're, like, the conversation right now, which is really good for folks that are using it correctly um but yeah like a yoni egg is like used to like strengthen the, the pelvic floor right. and like which is really interesting yeah and, and it's it's also like a quote ancient you know quote, ancient yeah but still genius yes and i don't know there's just something about like i don't know why people hate <coughs> like on nails so much like on not long nails because I'm, i like, cannot when i'm wearing my acrylics i feel like a fucking like bionic woman i am the baddest bitch in the world <laughs> like an android i feel like cindy mayweather like (laughs) oh my god we didn't like we didn't really like talk about this too much but i remember you sent me like i want to say months ago before femtech maybe even before this podcast was even an idea in, in our minds but i remember you sent me something about a woman that like put her like metro card or something in, in her, her nail. nail so she would just fucking scan her nail right 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 for, right for like when she had to get on the metro yes. or whatever i saw it on facebook somewhere floating around but see things like that yeah where that's girls, brilliant girls just come up with shit but you know what a lot of times when like women of color especially when black women like innovate like that mm-hmm. it's considered like oh that's ghetto or that's ratchet yep you know like always it's in the negative right when no it's innovative that is so genius because if you think about like all the time you'd save, like say you have a big old purse, right? Or you mm-hmm. have something and you have to search and you whatever, you're running late. That yeah. is genius. Yeah. It's on your nail. Like Absolutely. It's at literally at hand already. Absolutely. No, we innovate all the time, like just as women mm-hmm. and like as femmes. There's always innovation, there's always new shit, like there's just everywhere. There's brilliance. I also like create or invent I don't want to say invent, whatever. I find ways to like make things that I can't do without my nail with my nails happen. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. So it's like Yeah. I'm creating another form of doing something. Oh yeah. So that's don't why tell me that absolutely. I can mm, That's mm, why I, I feel cannot. like a bionic woman. Cause yeah. I'm like the nail has now become like this functional like extension of my, oh, my hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking cool. <laughs> it's Oh my god, yeah, it's really cool. Like, fuck Transformers, like, you know, like, femmes, like, that's, that's, for me, I'm like, that's the ultimate Transformer. The femme is a Transformer, like, in real ways. Yes, I agree, we are. But yeah, and something that we haven't really talked about, which we're kind of coming towards the end, but, you know, I guess we can kind of summarize some of our main points, right, of of why we wanted to talk about femtech, and this is going to be an ongoing conversation because we're going to present femtech in a workshop as a workshop Mm. form right eventually and we'll tell you more about the different events we have coming up but what we want to relay in all of our conversations of femtech is how historically women and femmes and our tech and our innovations right have been channeled into areas that have been most accessible to us for example beauty sewing Weaving, home economics. We didn't even really touch on, like, the brilliance of weaves and how that is yes. an actual skill in art. Exactly. So we can save that for the future because this will time. come back. Yeah. For sure. And then the other the other idea that we really want to <clears throat> push is that femtech is undervalued and has been for a long time. And one of the reasons is due to what? Femphobia. Mm. Femphobia. Always. In tech, 
femphobia in general. Yes. In school, in life, in education. Right. Right? If a little girl has an idea, like an engineering idea, and it involves baking, that might get shot down. Yeah. Right? Versus the little boy who wants to do something with cars Mm -hmm. that might be considered more engineering-oriented or tech-oriented, you know? Um, And then femtech and economics, like, intermingle with entrepreneurship. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, we touched a lot about that, about, like, the, the, like, informal economy, informal businesses, you know, um, creating, like, your own beauty salons, your own type of, like, giving, I don't want to, well, yeah, I guess you kind of are giving back to your community in that way, because you're creating this, like, communal space where folks can, you know, practice their self-care, if that's what it is for them, or their adornment, their worship, whatever it is for them, you know, however it manifests. Um, there's so much femme brilliance in that. There's a whole Genius. lot. A whole lot. And I want to be clear. We're not saying that the only femme tech or the only femme brilliance is in beauty and no. nails and hair. We're no. saying the actual, well, I mean, we're saying that there's so much more, but this so is like more. where it has been accessible. And yes. This is where it's been channeled into. Yes. But and we want to celebrate it. Exactly. It, exactly. And honor it. Mm-hmm. But also we recognize like using our examples in the first part of this capitulo, like the ways that it's actual, you know, being, like, produced in, like, actual STEM ways. Yeah, in In STEM ways. Like, bio, you said, like, biotech. Biotech. In biotech, yeah. So, yeah, we are not just, like, hair, nails, and makeup. We are so much more. Yeah. That happens to be how we adorn ourselves, which is brilliant and beautiful and just as brilliant. Yeah. As, you know, STEM. Right. Because it is STEM. It is STEM. Yeah. So, recognize that. (laughs) Appreciate. Recognize. Give credit where credit is due. Always. And when you get your nails done, pay your nail tech. Tip Tip them well. Oh, my God. Because those are geniuses who are creating functional art on your person. Agreed. You know? Yes. Always tip well. Any type of service that you're getting done. Any type of service. Always tip well. Because not only did they, like work on you but they're gonna work on so many other people oh, yeah. that might not tip them well which they probably don't so right. you know think about that support people who are working <laughs> who are working hard support yes. femmes support women of color support immigrants support immigrants queer folks exactly. people that are creating their people that are creating support them absolutely yeah absolutely so we want to hear what you think about femtech um and we want to hear about it in um in like a very real way because we will be at Viva la Mujer, which is March 11th. Yes. 5 to 11 p.m. at Plaza de la Raza. Yes. Go online, look up tickets, right? Because you don't have to get tickets. We are also doing a ticket giveaway. We will give you, um, we will be posting on the Instagram about that and about the times for our workshop and all of that. So we'll be posting on our different social media so we can stay in touch about the logistics of the workshop that we're doing. Um, what are we doing as our workshop? Marla, yeah. can you tell us? It's really exciting. We're really excited. Um, we have a few different events coming up this spring, but this one I'm really excited about because at Viva La Mujer, we will be recording a live capítulo slash like femme knowledge share. Yes, and we'll be talking about femtech. So if you really enjoyed this episode and you like you're thinking about your own femtech and like right. how that's manifested in your in your life and for your family, like come and share with us. Tell us we're we're you know we're gonna be recording a live capitulo. So yes. we really want to hear from y'all and what you think. Yeah, because I'm sure mm. you know like the the few examples that we were able to give from our life and our research, mm. I'm positive that there are a lot of mujeres out there, that there are a lot of people out there, femmes, with just like a multitude of yes. examples yes. and I'm, ideas. Absolutely. I'm excited. So yeah, so look out for our <laughs> ticket giveaway that we're going to be participating in for Viva La Mujer. We'll post announcements. Um, we are posting, we're going to be posting announcements and updates about all of our events, like as they happen. So make sure that you're following with us as always, you know, um, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, leave comments, leave comments, like things, share things. We love reading all the comments and messages y'all leave. It's really, really exciting it's really exciting <laughs> we get so hyped like when there's yeah. a new comment we send like screenshots to each yes. other by the way so if you think like maybe they're not gonna read it no we read it and most likely we respond because yeah we, we always respond 
Um, we, we try our best yes. <laughs> to always respond. I think what we want to do is we want to ask you guys if you have examples of femtech in your life. If you are a femtechie yourself, we're femtechies. Yes. If you're a femtechie, that's the hashtag we want to use. Femtech, femtechie. Comment on our posts. If you want to repost anything onto your profile, make sure you use hashtag Locatora Radio, hashtag Femtech. Hashtag Brown Girl Hour. Hashtag Brown Girl Hour. Um, and share with us the tech that you were brought up with, the femtech that, that the fems before you utilized. Yes. We want to hear all about it. Absolutely. Especially if you can't come out to Viva La Mujer, we'll, be, we'll, we'll post something that everyone can have a conversation yes. about it. So thanks again for tuning in. We will see you next time. Besitos. Besitos. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.